All right, folks, here we go with Season 1, Episode 42. Jeez, it's been 42 episodes of this stupid world. Ah, well, okay, here we go. Okay, he's too stupid to talk and too ugly to eat. Because it's a great big stupid world On a dirt clod out in space Where it's not nobody knows If Jesus came back today They'd try to book him on the Oprah Winfrey show Because it's a great big stupid world He's given a piece of his mind to so many people, it's a wonder there's a mind left. It's Insane Eric Lane's Stupid World. Well, here we are in another stupid world. Uh, thanks for uh, stopping stopping in. I, I certainly hope that uh, we get out alive. Uh, well, I, I'm telling you. Uh, I, you know, this, this, this week has really affected my grocery shopping. You know, I'm going to have to change my pancake syrup. I'm going to have to change my my rice. Uh, I'm going to have to, to even find a different ice cream bar. I mean, oh, decisions, decisions. How how am I going to be able to go shopping and still not offend anybody? You know, I, I'm telling you. Well, I did have a nice Father's Day. I mean, coming off of a nice Father's Day, I I uh, was taken to Pramanti Brothers, which is a wonderful Pittsburgh-based chain. And if you want a Pittsburgh-sized sandwich, you want to go to Pramanti Brothers or Pramanti Brothers, or as they say in Pittsburgh, uh, Pramanti Brothers. Okay, going downtown to Pramanti Brothers, get me a big old sandwich. With some coleslaw and fries, you know. So yeah, that was that was nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, and, and and a lot of dads, you know, when you ask, you know, when you when you ask dad, what do you want for Father's Day? I don't care. Whatever you want to get me, I, you you know, you know, dads like that, right? And you want to do something. I mean, if you really want to do something nice for dad, you know. He can't think of anything that he really wants. Some dads might, but some dads, you just, you know, they just don't know what they want, you know. And then other dads, well, they know exactly what they want. They just, just leave me alone. You know, it's like a lot of, a lot of dads are uh, <clears throat> kind of like the sitcom dads. You know, whatever happened to Father's Knows Best? Some of you don't even know what Father Knows Best is. But no, I actually, Father Knows Best was a TV show even before my own time. Uh, you know, the, 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 the TV dads used to be, were kind of, you know, doofuses anyway. I think they've even gotten dumber. Well, this is just some of the things we'll be talking about in the stupid world. Dumber dads, Father's Day stuff, and how your whole grocery list is getting renamed. Yeah, my goodness. Oh, (laughs) Oh, and not only that, it's even affecting, uh, this whole thing is even affecting some of the these United States, um, the the the, um, the 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 folks over in the little bitty tiny uh, Rhode Island, um, they're having to change their well. They're not having to; they want to change their name because well, Rhode Island suddenly has become a a hot topic for um, well slavery for some reason. 
I didn't even know this, but do you realize that the official name of Rhode Island is not just Rhode Island? You know, they, they do things differently up there in Rhode Island. <laughs> my One of my old, former pastors where I used to go, he was, he was from Rhode Island, and he talked like Rhode Island and so forth and so on. He'll get in his car and go driving in his car and find a parking spot, you know? From, you know, that's what he, he was from Providence, Rhode Island. No, the official name for Rhode Island that's on all the state documents is, quote, the state of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. I had no idea. How do you abbreviate that? You know, well, apparently somebody who was easily offended saw this on the official documents of Rhode Island and decided they were offended they, because uh, they were triggered by that word plantation. You know, plantation can, well, it means a lot of things, like everybody in Rhode Island owns slaves, right, or something. I don't know. But uh, now they're going to take plant, Providence plantations out of the official name of Rhode Island. And so they have to vote on it because it's that important. It's like in the Constitution or something, which means they got to go back and pay for all new stationery. Oh. Well, anyway, I don't know. It's just uh, like I said in a previous podcast, we, we're, gonna, we're becoming so thin-skinned that if any of us gets triggered and it affects our blood pressure, we're just going to blow up into a pile of meat on the sidewalk. <laughs> Boy. But, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, pancake syrup and, and, um, and, and rice and states and ice cream bars. You know, even, I mean, right there, right behind Aunt Jemima and Mrs. Butterworth and Uncle Ben, we have Eskimo pies. I guess we're not giving any Eskimo kisses anymore either, right? Yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah. Yes, say goodbye to your Eskimo pie, folks. Thank you for coming to the Dryer's Ice Cream Emergency Press Conference. We recently realized that part of the name of our dessert product, Eskimo Pie, is offensive. And we are officially changing the name to Eskimo Ice Cream on a Stick. We now know the error of our ways. Pies don't have sticks in them. In fact, most pies aren't even cold. And for us to just throw sticks in ice cream willy-nilly and call it pie is unacceptable. We, as a company, are working to do better. We call on other food companies to follow suit. We're asking for the snack cake Little Debbie to be updated to confident in her body size, Deborah. I mean, really, it's getting to the point where we're getting, we're we're, we're becoming triggered over everything. You know, <sighs> I I I, uh, <laughs> I don't get it. I I, I think um, I was listening to to another podcast uh, from someone earlier in the week and and about how divisive everybody is. And frankly, this is kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this that that um. 
you know, in, in, in the in the Bible where you're looking at the end end of time and revelation, uh, you know, the apocalypse is coming and 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 uh, we're waiting on the Antichrist and people are looking for Antichrist everywhere. Frankly, I don't even think the Antichrist is ready to come yet, you know, because um, the, really we're, we're to the point now we're just starting to become so divided and so trigger happy and and offensive, offended about everything. Um, and we're at everybody's throats. There's going to come a time when finally we're so at opposite ends of the spectrum from each other. Finally, that person will appear to be the global uniter. Don't know who that's going to be yet, but I think we're getting really close. So I'm thinking whenever this big global uniter comes, it might be Bill Gates. I don't know, man. Somebody is going to come and unite the whole world and bring us back to love and care for each other. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. So the Supreme Court just um, recently ruled um, in favor of uh, gay rights, which really, I mean, in all fairness, I don't have a problem with that until you start messing with, you know, where how I worship. My, you know, it's like this, you know, it's like if you go to a church and they teach baptism by sprinkling. Well, I don't buy that. I'm a Baptist. I'm one of the old goats in the Baptist church, you know. I'm in the back of the church going, I'm a Baptist, okay. So uh, if you say, well, I have to sprinkle babies, I don't believe in sprinkling babies. I believe in putting them under until they bubble. You know what I do if I am at a church where they sprinkle babies? I find another church, okay. It's that simple. I get up and I walk out and I find another church, okay. So let's say if you're in a church and they're preaching that homosexuality is a sin, you get up, you walk out the door, and you find another church. I have no problem with that. I'm not going to be in a church like that, but if you want to go to a church like that, you're perfectly well within your right to do that. Okay? Don't don't come into my church, though, and tell me I have to sprinkle babies. Okay? I, I, I'm not going to do that. And don't come into my church and tell me that I have to marry two same-sex, uh, a same-sex couple. Okay? It's, it's pretty simple. That's what freedom is all about. My dad used to say, freedom stops at the end of your nose. The problem is, everybody's noses is pushed up against each other. My wife is always talking about whenever she's out in the car. And, you know, she's from New Jersey. And, you know, I think she knows an awful lot of drivers. Because she talks to all of them when she's on the highway. I mean, it's like... She gets behind somebody and she starts talking to the car in front of her. Or a car passes her and she talks to the car that passes us. <laughs> she must know a lot of drivers out there. It's really funny. I'll sit and, and listen to her when she's driving. And she carries on a conversation to all these drivers around her. I'm, <laughs> I'm being from Arkansas, I'm not used to that. But being from New Jersey, she does it a lot. And she gives drivers sometimes the New Jersey salute. You know what that means, right? She gives them the the finger. In fact, well, you, you know you've done it, or you've wanted to, right? Given another driver the finger. Well, guess what? Um, you know, if you were to ask that to someone, some of them, some folks might even say, you know, you mean today? Well, no, well, maybe. There's a new survey that's out. Thirty-two percent of people admit that they have given another driver 
the New Jersey salute. And that includes 8% of people who have not only that done that, but they have chased the other driver down and sped up just to make sure they can see that their finger is standing at full attention. Now, it doesn't stop there, folks. <laughs> 34% of the people have honked at somebody for driving too slow. Yeah, my, my wife's horn works really well. Well, maybe not driving too slow, okay, but probably stopping unnecessarily. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll admit I'm, I'm guilty. 18% of tailgated someone. Oh, okay, guilty as charged, especially if you're going at least, at least 5 to 10 miles under the speed limit, okay? 12% have cut in front of a bunch of people who are waiting in line to merge, Oh, yeah, well, I try not to do that. I don't want to be one of those people. 7% have stolen a parking spot from someone who is waiting. My wife will pull into the parking lot, and if she sees someone getting into their car, or at least appearing to get into their car, she will stop right there and will wait for them to get in their car buckle their seatbelt, fiddle with whatever's in the seat, talk to everybody in the car, put the car in reverse. And you know how those cars, you, know, you put the car in reverse and the backup lights are on and the brake lights are on, but the car isn't going anywhere. We've waited five minutes one time for a car to back out so she could have that parking spot. She did it one time and about the time the car pulled out, another car came in and took the spot. And then, well... What did she do? She started talking to the car, talking to other drivers again. Seven <laughs> percent have driven in the shoulder to get around traffic. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't. I don't do that a lot, but if there's a shoulder and somebody's making a left turn at a park at, at, at a red light, I'm going to take the shoulder, folks. Seven percent have dinged to someone's car in a lot and drove away. I haven't done that. At least not knowingly or intentionally and four percent have keyed a car a lot of stupid people out there folks and here are the top 10 socially distanced screen-free activities that you might be doing this summer a lot of us probably aren't gonna be doing a lot this summer maybe spending a lot more time with your family than you had really planned on maybe parents might need to think of some things to do that are socially distanced and it doesn't involve more screen time. Oh, my gosh. I am Zoomed out, people. Yes, activities do exist. Here are the top 10 popular ones that families are actually planning on doing this summer, according to a new survey. Playing board games. Now, remember when they used to advertise board games on TV? The Game of Life. You remember that? The Game of Life? Yeah, we used to play the Game of Life all the time. Now we live it. Camping in the backyard is one. Making arts and crafts. Oh, that we have to go out and buy construction paper again. Reading books. Wow. Building blanket and pillow, pillow forts. I've always liked, my, you know, my house, we had these high back chairs. I would go in and get all the sheets out of the linen closet. And we could build some pretty amazing forts, okay? And making breakfast as a family. Wow. They do that still. Teaching kids a new skill. 
making a home movie theater, playing with water guns, and eating popsicles. My mom used to make those chocolate milk frozen homemade popsicles. Oh, yes. In other words, we're going to be doing exactly the same things I did as a kid 40 years ago. And one in 10 people spent the lockdown working on home and uh, home improvements and, well, making it worse. Thankfully, I know myself and I know what I can and can't do. And trust me, I don't do home improvements. I told my wife, you did not marry Bob Vila. But some folks who were stuck at home, they thought, well, we may as well fix something. If nothing needs fixing, then just work on something, right? This survey says that a majority of the respondents noticed a few home improvement projects while they were stuck in the house during the coronavirus lockdowns. And, well, they had both repairs and updates. And, well, as expected, nearly 78% of the folks that were questioned said they noticed these new projects around the house and that their to-do list began to grow. And uh, many of these projects are reportedly a little more than just minor repairs or upgrades. The survey said that the average respondent would need over $680 to complete the top three repairs. A good number of the folks in the survey even mentioned attempting to perform these jobs themselves as opposed to hiring someone who knew what they were doing. Unfortunately, seven out of the ten people said the projects, well, they didn't turn out kind of the way they had imagined. And that would be me. Trust me. One in ten, unfortunately, admitted the finished project actually looked worse than before the work was started. Trust me, that would be me. I mean, we, we bought a modular home, okay? And, and, and we, we could design our own floor plan. We could, uh, you know, almost we, we, we could make some minor architectural changes to the floor plan, which we did. And the thing that we did not do and we didn't discover this until after we had moved in. There was not even a door knocker on the front door. No doorbell. And the family room was in the back of the house. So when someone would knock on the door, we would never hear them. And we kept getting people, well, we were at your house and nobody was at home. And I'm like, well, we were at home. Well, we knocked on the door and nobody came because we didn't hear you. So I decided, let's go out and buy a doorbell. You think hanging a doorbell would be pretty easy, right? Nah, nah, forget it. Despite my best measurements to hang the doorbell, we ended up with two screws and three holes in the wall. I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not even going to attempt it beyond this. My mother-in-law thought she would help and bought, bought me a 40-pound hardback book from the Reader's Digest people on Easy home improvement projects. You know, it had illustrations and how-to guides and easy step-by-step -step instructions. <laughs> it's a doorstop. And Hamilton has to censor some F-bombs if they want to get the show on Disney+. Plus. That's right. It's a film version of that Broadway musical. It's going on Disney+. Plus. And, uh, well, it's going to be presented just the way it was on stage. But they're going to tweak it a little bit so they could get a PG-13 rating. The creator and the star, Lin-Manuel Miranda, put out a tweet and said, quote, 
You're getting the whole show, every note and scene, but MPAA, that would be Motion Picture Association of America, has a hard rule about language, more than one utterance of F, and it's an automatic R. Well, we have three Fs in our show. So I literally gave two Fs so the kids could see it. Hmm. What's that going to sound like? Hamilton is coming to Disney+. Plus. Some lucky fans got to see a sneak peek, and here is what they are saying. Wow, Hamilton was great. You know what was even better? Not spending 500 bucks to see it. I'm just glad I didn't have to go to New York City. Thank God I don't have to watch the whole thing in one sitting. Lin-Manuel Miranda's music is amazing. It was almost as good as Moana. That's what people are saying about Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Now I'm a real theater connoisseur. Next I'm going to Binge watch some DuckTales. I'm waiting for Song of the South to hit Broadway. That's what I'm waiting for. (laughs) Yeah. Well, more about that coming up a little bit later on. If you don't know what Song of the South is, that's the one movie that Disney put out in 1946 and you'll never see on Disney+. Plus. Never. Well, uh, like I said, more about that later. But who are you going to call when the cast of Ghostbusters get together for a Zoom reunion. That's right. We're talking Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts, and director Ivan Reitman. Reconnecting for an installment of Josh Gad's quarantine YouTube series, Reunited Apart. Reitman's son, Jason, who's directing the upcoming sequel, Ghostbusters Afterlife, has also joined the laid-back Zoom call, according to Gad's fellow superfan, Kumail Nanijani, theme song writer, performer Ray Parker Jr., and actors who contributed smaller roles in the blockbuster supernatural comedy. The crew recalls some of their favorite moments from the shoot. Weaver noted that Murray improvised the standout piano sequence. Yes, you know, they hate this. I like to torture them. Murray pinpointed a huge moment when Reitman screened an early cut of the Slimer ballroom scene without the special effects, of course, during a Thanksgiving dinner at the filmmaker's home. I remember going back to work on Monday and saying, guys, let's all calm down. You know, it's going to be really big, what Murray said anyway. Uh, And then Johnny helped uh, quiz the actors on some of the characters' most famous lines and asking them to fill in the blanks. And he also hilariously noted how much he loved the franchise growing up. You know, Ghostbusters truly is the first thing I remember loving in my life before my parents, he said. And the order was Ghostbusters, then Mom, and Ghostbusters 2, and then Dad. Why does Dad get always the last vote? I don't don't know. Ray Parker Jr. ended the segment by playing the film's theme song on an electric guitar. I did like the theme song, actually, come to think of it. It was kind of cool. But what if you're watching a bad Ghostbusters movie? How would you know that? Well, here are some signs that you're watching a bad Ghostbusters movie. It's all chicks. What gives? It's just an excuse to promote the new Ghostbusters slot machine. And due to budget constraints, Belgrade, Serbia substitutes for New York City. Or two words, fake ectoplasm. Now, you got to have the real stuff. Signs that you're also watching a bad Ghostbusters movie. CGI Stay Puff Marshmallow Man replaced by Louis Anderson in a sailor suit. Oh, not good. Rick Moranis comes out of retirement just to slam it, featuring a theme song from Ray Parker Sr. (laughs) 
Another sign you might be watching a bad Ghostbusters movie. They cross streams in the first five minutes. Uh, what what the heck, people? What's going on? Bill Murray out. Steve Gutenberg in. No, no. How about you can't even tell Zool the gatekeeper from Vin's Clotho the keymaster. Yeah. And finally, some signs that you're watching a bad Ghostbuster movie. Sigourney Weaver accidentally throws in a couple of lines from Alien. That would stink. And finally, it's a reboot from the 2016 reboot. Oh. Well, coming off of Father's Day, you know, um, we, we had a lot. It was nice to see, you know, friends on my social media, you know, at least paying homage or honor to their fathers. You know, I was, I was a little more encouraged this Father's Day than I have been in previous Father's Days. But, you know, still, dads, I don't think, I think with a toxic masculinity combined with just the way that dads are portrayed in the media, you know, sitcom dads are getting dumber all the time. You know, I just, I just don't understand why. I mean, we got Homer Simpson. We got Phil Dunphy. We got Ray Romano. These are just examples of the bumbling and inept fictional fathers. Indeed, the dumb dad is definitely one of sitcom TV's most notorious tropes. It's getting worse. Suggest recent research from Erica Scharrer, who's a professor of communication at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Uh, hmm. I don't think it takes a university professor to figure this out, but I'll go ahead and <laughs> I'll buy into it. Shower's study examined TV dads' interactions with their kids in 34 sitcoms that aired between 1980 and 2017 and found that the more recent the show, the less likely it was to feature the fathers doing much actual parenting. And when they did, these scenes were more likely to depict sitcom dads' parenting as foolish showing poor judgment, being incompetent or acting childishly, Shower explains at the conversation. Sitcom audiences, more often than not, are still being encouraged to laugh at dads, parenting missteps and mistakes, Shower writes. This isn't harmless, since fictional entertainment can shape our views of ourselves and others, she says. Sitcom writers can do better by dads by moving on from the increasingly outdated foolish father trope. If you really want to be realistic when portraying dad, I think you should just think about what he really wanted for Father's Day. Looking for a gift dad really wants? Father's Day getaways will send your family on a trip so dad can stay home and get some peace and quiet. Look at all these options. I'm looking. It's over here, honey. Stop yelling at me. I wasn't yelling. Pick a cruise, a flight, even a bus tour. Dad doesn't care. He just wants you out. Mom says I didn't do my chores, but I already did my chores. His bed isn't made. I'm making it. Don't yell at me. So don't waste money buying ties or baking cakes. Leave the travel to us and leave Dad the f*** alone. Ah, oh, this is the best Father's Day ever. <laughs> I got to be left alone for Father's Day. Yeah, my whole family decided to go to the beach. and <laughs> I had the whole house to myself. They even put the dog at a dog sitter. It's just me and the cat. Of course, you know, I'm married. I don't have to worry about picking up chicks with a cat because now they're saying that guys holding a cat makes them look less attractive to women. So that's why I have a cat. I don't need other women to be attracted to me anymore. But still, it was wonderful. 
spent the entire week of Father's Day enjoying nothing but pure solitude. Uh, yes, watching whatever I wanted to watch on TV. Actually, you know, I think the first time I took my wife-to-be back to see my parents back in Arkansas, of course, my wife being from New Jersey, it was an educational experience for her to go back to Arkansas. And so it happened over Thanksgiving. And um, usually back in those days, over Thanksgiving meant a new release of a Star Trek movie. And so that's where I went. I, I wanted to see the new Star Trek movie. And, um, of course, my girlfriend slash fiance slash future wife wasn't big into Star Trek. She wanted to go see some chick flick. So that's what she did. She saw the chick flick and I watched Star Trek. Actually, um, speaking of Star Trek, William Shatner is sharing his reaction to a female Kirk fan-made image. Have you seen this? The classic Star Trek, you know, had Captain James T. Kirk being William Shatner. Um, and in the original series and subsequent movies, uh, he always says he's uh, said he was attracted to a female version of Kirk. Okay. Um now he's 89 years old. He's had to close uh, maybe a 70-year career, start in 250 TV shows and movies, but everyone still thinks of him as Captain Kirk. Three seasons of Star Trek, he was Captain Kirk. He was in the original series and seven movies. And throughout the series, Kirk is portrayed as a successful bachelor, having a number of romantic encounters with women of all kinds of alien species and races and simultaneously exploring the galaxy while he was at it. And now what we know, what Kirk or Mel Shatner thinks of himself as a woman, as he now takes to Twitter to react to a fan-made gender-swapping photo of Kirk from Star Trek, the original series. His response to the image is simply, I do me. <laughs> I saw the picture, and quite frankly, um, Captain Mrs. Kirk look pretty attractive. You can see the image and Shatner's response in his tweet if you follow him on Twitter. Now, despite his age, Shatner clearly thinks of himself as a ladies' man and proves that not even a female version of Kirk would be safe from his own advances. Kind of a cheeky comment from a man who built much of his career by playing characters that had a fascination with the opposite sex. In any case, it's about time for the hot dog eating contest too, you know, uh, right around the 4th of July and organizers of the annual Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest in New York said that they're still going to go through as planned, but it'll be a private location and no fans. Nathan's Famous and Major League Eating announced that the contest held annually around the 4th of July in Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York will take place amid the COVID-19 pandemic at a private location with no spectators. Now, if you've got, you know, an aversion to, you know, mouth sounds of people eating, that's going to really drive you up the wall because there's no, there's no, there's no crowds to drown out these sounds of, well, people inhaling hot dogs repeatedly. They're going to have two 10-minute contests, one for men, one for women, each one will have five participants instead of the traditional 15 to abide by social distancing guidelines. And workers will wear masks and gloves during the event, and competitors will be all tested for the coronavirus before being allowed to compete. Now, 
the champion from last year and, well, subsequent years before, Joey Chestnut, and then there's Mickey Sudu. They're both expected to compete in this year's event, and it will be aired, as always, on ESPN. But don't worry if you still want to see fat guys stuff their faces with food. You can always visit any restaurant in America. I mean, come on, a hot dog eating contest in a private location and no spectators? I mean, how are the contestants supposed to eat with no ambiance? But still, if you've got, you know, um, that condition where it you cringe over hearing someone smack their food, you might want to find something else to watch. A package containing 32 bags of marijuana gets delivered to the wrong home. You may have seen this. Authorities in Texas were called to a family's home. They received this unexpected package with 32 bags of hashish. The Harris County Sheriff's Office said the deputies were called to this Houston home when the residents reported receiving this package that they had not ordered. Full of uh, wacky tobacco. If it is yours, please contact the Harris County Sheriff's Office to claim it. That's what the sheriff wrote in an Instagram post. (laughs) Oh, by the way, uh, marijuana is illegal to possess in the state of Texas. This has uh, all the markings of a terrific episode of Law & Order on it. I know that. Marijuana delivered to the wrong address. There you go. Sounds like the mailman may have taken a toke or two. (laughs) You know, can you imagine, though, having this much weed accidentally delivered to your house? To a pothead, this would be better than winning the lottery, you know. There's an easy way, for, though, for the cops to find out who really purchased this stuff. Let's check with every supermarket and find out who recently bought multiple bags of flaming Hot Cheetos. Recently, Jimmy Allen and Brett Young and Dave Haywood, these country stars, were joking about their respective sex lives after their kids come along. You know, they they're, they're all dads, and... You know, something happens to dads after kids come into the picture sometimes. Jimmy Allen, Brett Young, and Dave Haywood, they all got to be a little creative in the bedroom, or as Allen notes, uh, the bathroom or laundry room. They made a recent video chat with Jeremy Parsons for People TV's Dad Talk ahead of the Father's Day event. And these uh, country artists kind of, well, let their pants down about some of the ways that they were able to find pockets of physical intimacy with their significant others when the kids weren't around. Uh, Yep, no more worrying about putting a lock on the bedroom door. You act serious, you say. Hey, kids, we need to go talk real quick. Then you go somewhere and get a quickie. (laughs) You know, talk for a second. Could be the bathroom, could be the laundry room, the bedroom. That's how you do it, says 33-year-old Alan. He's a dad to a three-month-old daughter, Naomi Betty, and a six-year-old son, Aiden. There's things that, uh, well, we do, but uh, that's the most effective, he notes, of himself and his fiancée, Alexis Gale. Because when you see kids, you know, you're serious. The kids see that you're really serious, then they're like, oh, I don't want nothing to do with that. Uh, Then there is Brett Young. He's 39. He points out it's like telling him candy is medicine so they don't want it anymore, you know. And as for that... uh, Hitmaker who gave us the song Mercy, who welcomed his first child with his wife Taylor and has a daughter, Presley Elizabeth, back on October the 21st. He says, my daughter is not old enough to need a trick yet. She just takes a two-hour nap and, well, you don't need two hours. All you need is a good four and a half minutes and that's it. (laughs) Wonder if his wife thinks the same thing. For Haywood, he jokes that he and his wife Kelly, who share a daughter, uh, Lily Renee, who's two, and 
a son, Cash, who's five and a half, have only had sex twice to get their children. You know, in all seriousness, though, their solution, they say, is simple. Explain the lady, a member who's 37 years old. He says, we have good locks on our door. That's the way you do it, I guess. Of course, I never will forget the time that my oldest son one day came in when he was probably about six or seven, and he heard the new a new word on the bus ride coming home. It was the F word, and he just walked in and boldly proclaimed to me, Dad, what does mean? And being the good dad that I am, I explained it to him in the most colorful language I could come up with. I didn't even get three quarters of the way through the definition when his eyes gets big and he covers his ears with his hands and he goes, I don't want to hear anymore. Okay, 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 that's enough, that's enough, okay, okay. And he runs right out of the room. Of course, I'm following him into his bedroom. But I'm not finished. Let me finish. I haven't got to the good part yet. How do you arrange time for intimacy with kids around the house anyway? I don't know if you've learned to be sneaky, quiet, and quick. You know, just in and out. I don't know. Maybe more convenient to just get one of those sex robots. It might be simpler. It's the relationship sitcom for the 21st century. It's married to a sex robot. Oh, sex robot. I'm home. Whatever. What's the matter? I saw the way you were looking at the toaster oven the other night. It's the perfect marriage of man and machine. You know, if you don't treat me better, I've got a good mind to go out and find a real woman. Good. Then I can find a real man. It's married to a sex robot. My mother told me to never marry you. Your mother's a washing machine. (laughs) Then we go from sneaking around to smuggling around. Yes, the guy was caught smuggling drugs in his fake manhood. I would say that's definitely a suspicious package. Actually, earlier this year... Airport security in Belgium stops a guy who was flying in from Jamaica, and they detected cocaine. Now, it's not clear if the drug dog singled him out or what exactly happened. They didn't really find any drugs on him. He did fail a drug test, though, so they took him to a hospital to do a full examination. Now, um, it turns out he was hiding four and a half ounces of cocaine in a fake penis. They accused him of being a drug mule. He claims he got the drugs in Jamaica while he was there visiting his mother. And he brings them back for, quote, uh, personal use. Either way, the dude's facing up to three years in prison for it. And he'll be back in court for his sentencing, I'm sure. But it's a crazy story. But it was always good to see Russell Brand again, you know. He pled not guilty. His lawyer says they gave him the shaft. I guess I've seen some really long lines at the airport, but I think this is a little much. I mean, even worse, they charged him for that extra package, too, you know. First guy to join the Mile High Club without boarding. I'm open to talking about anything, but love talking about surviving and the stupidity that is always around us. And if you're insane enough to ask... I'm always insane enough to reply. I'd love to hear from you either by leaving a voice message or a written message. And you can do that at podcast.insaneericlane.com. Leave any comment that you have from a podcast or a question you might have, and I'll be happy to address either one. Your question or comment might even just be played and or 
talked about in a future podcast. And if you or someone you know would actually like to join in on a podcast, you're more than welcome to participate. And if you have that Anchor app on your phone, you can do just that. It's as simple as a phone call. Download the app at your favorite app store and add our podcast, my podcast, to your favorites. You can also email me with comments and questions, requests at shoutout at insaneericlane.com. That's insane, E-R-I-K-L-A-N-E.com. Of course, you should certainly subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you listen to it on Apple, Breaker, Google, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, or Spotify. And of course, don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Insane Eric Lane. That's Insane, E-R-I-K, L-A-N-E. Now for 75000 bucks, you can buy a creepy robot dog from Boston Dynamics. You may have seen one of those animal-like robots on YouTube. Well, now you can buy one for yourself. It's called Spot. Buy it online if you got seventy-five grand, you know, hanging around in your bank account. These four-legged robots can walk, you can climb stairs, they can monitor their surroundings with cameras and sensors. You can enjoy them however you like, but you have to promise not to arm them or to use them to harm or intimidate anyone. <laughs> I think just having one would be intimidating, you know what I mean? Boston Dynamics says that the sales of Spot are intended for commercial and industrial use and that these robot dogs can be bought in the U.S. company uh, uh, or can be bought in the U.S. The, the company VP for business development, Michael Perry, says that somebody wanted to use Spot for a haunted house. And, well, we said no to that. It frames the robot in a negative context. Look, um, I think any kind of a artificial intelligence to me is going to be framed in a negative context. You know what I'm saying? But the nice thing about having spot, you'll never have to pick up dog poop. <laughs> I think 75,000 bucks would be a steal just for that perk alone. They're especially though creepy though, whenever they lick themselves. Ugh. And then if everybody gets these robot dogs, well, that means you're going to see more pathetic, heart-tugging commercials on television when they want to, well, adopt them because some folks have ended up abandoning them. Will you be an angel for terrifying mechanical canine? Now you can at Save the Robot Dogs. For only $75,000 or 75,000 cups of coffee, you can adopt a metal mutt and bring it home to your kids. These synthetic schnauzers may be automated, but they still need your attention. Well, there's, there's batteries all over the carpet. Hey, how many times have I told you kids to walk this vacuum cleaner? Bark, bark. Just look into their sad eyes. Well, you can't because our droid hounds don't have heads like broken Terminator Skynet bots. Bark, bark. Kill the humans. Save the robot dogs because if you don't, they'll come for you. Please send your tax-deductible donation to me. Yeah, if you want to save the robot dogs, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, there's a man that has been fined for farting with full intent at the police. There you go. There's How do you write that up on the police report, huh? Happened in Vienna, Austria. Guy got fined 565 bucks for breaking wind loudly 
right in front of the police. You know, the fine stems from this incident that took place. Uh, and the offender was fined for offending public decency. Yes, floating an air biscuit. The police tweeted that the man had behaved provocatively and uncooperatively during the encounter with officers that preceded the incident. He reportedly stood up from the park bench, made eye contact with the officers, <laughs> and, quote, let go a massive intestinal wind apparently with full intent. In, in other words, that's police speak for he let one rip. Police also noted the decision could be appealed. Okay, so, all right, if farting is a criminal offense, my brother-in-law should definitely be on death row at this point. He's also charged with two counts of overindulging at Chipotle, too. First, the police get wildly disrespected. They Now now this guy is facing a big fine. whole situation, I think, just stinks to high heaven, you know? I mean, and now they want to defund the police, I guess, right? It's too bad that this guy's facing such a big fine. Maybe if he has kids, they'll make him feel better this weekend by getting him a nice gift for Farter's Day, you know? This might be considered an assault with a deadly weapon, you know? He could have gotten away with it if he just had used that silent but deadly weapon, you know? It's like, hey, officer, come here and pull my finger. And then, of course, we all know about poor Aunt Jemima getting scrapped because she's racist. Uncle Ben and Mrs. Butterworth, they're also getting the name change. And as I said, the uh, Eskimo pie is going the way of the Eskimo, I guess. I don't know. Aunt Jemima, this huge name in pancake syrup for 130 years, coming to an end. Quaker Foods pulling the plug on it because the origins are based on a racist stereotype. Now, Aunt Jemima is a black woman originally dressed as a minstrel character. Her likeness was based on this actual woman named Nancy Green, who was born into slavery. Her image has changed over time, and they previously removed her mammy kerchief, which nodded back to the days of slavery. Now, the company said, quote, As we work to make progress toward racial equality, through several initiatives, uh, we also must take a hard look at our portfolio of brands and ensure they reflect our values and meet our consumers' expectations. The change will take some time, but Aunt Jemima will be gone by the end of the year. No word on what the new name is going to be yet, but don't be surprised if they spin it into a big marketing thing and where they let America vote on the branding, I guess. But this comes during a time of widespread protest over racial inequality and injustice. A lot of people have been attacking racism everywhere. I mean, like I said, all the way up to Rhode Island, where they're getting rid of the word plantation. A singer named Kirby recently went viral with her attack on Aunt Jemima. And, of course, now the family of Nancy Green is not happy that now Nancy Green's legacy is being thrown in the dumpster because of racism. <laughs> oh, boy. This is what you call upsetting both camps trying to appease everyone. Scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson says, quote, it's not that Aunt Jemima was a symbol of racist past, it's that she's the very embodiment of a racist past. She will not be missed by anyone who knew that, except the family of Nancy Green. Of course, Aunt Jemima isn't the only brand. We now hear Uncle Ben's rice, Mrs. Brotherworth syrup, cream of wheat. That's right, cream of wheat has a black chef on the front, so it's gone. Then we've got Mars Incorporated that owns Uncle Ben. Says now is the right time to evolve Uncle Ben's brand. And 
We don't know yet what the exact changes in timing will be, but we are evaluating all possibilities. Of course, in the meantime, a lot of consumers are evaluating other brands that they will be switching to. ConAgra, making Mrs. Butterworth, said it's going to conduct a complete brand and packaging review. We uh, can see that our packaging may be interpreted in a way that's wholly inconsistent with our values. Uh, what they're really saying is, we just don't want to get sued. The company that makes cream of wheat porridge says that they're initiating their immediate review of brand packaging. By the way, that chef that's on the package of cream, and wheat, cream of wheat, he was previously named Rastus. That was his name. And now, well, that's considered a offensive term for black men. Pretty soon, I think just having a southern accent's going to be deemed as having a racist attitude. Y'all going to have to change your dialect because that's a racist dialect. We can't have no southern accents, y'all. Is y'all considered racist? Uncle Ben's new title, I think, will be ready in 10 minutes on the stovetop or six in the microwave. And the company that owns Mrs. Butterworth also said they're going to be on the verge of a makeover, but they might waffle before it's over with. I don't know. That's not the first time these syrup companies have put Americans in a very sticky situation, frankly. I, I know this. I mean, let's just hope the Army doesn't do anything crazy or Captain Crunch is a goner. Women find men less attractive when they're holding a cat. I said I've talked about this earlier. But here's the story, folks. I'm not saying women post all the cat content you see online, but they're kind of the target market. But this just really is unfair, frankly, because I'm a cat lover. Not that I'm worried about being less attractive to women, but this study found that women find men less attractive if they're into cats. Frankly, I've always been told that if you can understand a cat, you can understand a woman. Researchers at Colorado State University took photos of various men, one by themselves and one one of them holding a cat. My question is, what led to this decision? I think we'll just take a picture of a guy holding a cat and compare it to a guy without holding a cat. Why not? 700 women rated the photos. The men that were holding cats, they were deemed as being less masculine and less dateable. I think mainly it's just because they came across as being desperate. It applied to both the short-term and the long-term relationship potential, so they were less dateable across the board. And they were seen as more neurotic when holding a cat. Mm. Somehow this is somehow, i got to tie this to, to marriage somehow. There was one key demographic that didn't really care, though. Women who described themselves as a cat person we're just as likely to say a guy was dateable whether he was holding a cat or not. In other words, it didn't really hurt their chances, the women that love cats, but it didn't really help either. So, fellas, if you want to appear masculine, lose the cat or be dubbed a wuss with a puss. And what about dogs? Well, you know, that's a problem too. Ten most common arguments that couples have about the dog. And, well, this might, this answer might be a little harder now that you've been cooped up for a while, but maybe it's easier. I don't know. But if you could choose one, what would you pick, your dog or your significant other? And a third of the people in the surveys said they would choose the dog. It sounds like you're going to be screwed both ways. You won't get a chick if you hold a cat. If you have a dog, you may get dumped because of the dog. Well, the 10 most common dog-related fights 
Who has to walk them? See, you don't have to walk a cat. Cat could care less. And trust me, we have grandma's dog in our house, and that is the number one argument. I can promise you, before the end of our meal is over, grandma will look at my son and go, Would you be ever so kind as to walk Susie after dinner? You can set your watch by this. And then, of course, the other common dog fights that we hear, who has to pick it up when they go to the bathroom. One person gives them too many treats. Well, we've been accusing Grandma of over-treating her dog. Arguments about tracking dirt into the house or into the car. Not wanting to walk the dog together as a couple. Who has to get out of bed to deal with them? Like, you know, letting them out in the morning. Of course, cats are not much different. I get woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning because our cat has an empty food bowl. Another one is the dog stealing somebody's spot on the couch or on the bed. Although there have been times when it really upsets my wife because she's convinced that our cat knows when she's getting up out of her favorite chair so the cat can jump into it. I'm thinking you're giving that cat far too much credit. Should the dog be allowed on the sofa or the chair at all? Another big fight topic. Disagreements on training techniques. Or one person thinks the other person plays too rough with the dog. Of course, I've also been accused that the cat likes me and gives me more attention. And there's jealousy because of it. I don't get that. Feeding them at the table just missed the top 10. And one more that made the top 20 is the general jealousy that I talked about there. Because the dog likes one person better than the other. Again, I think the way to solve this is... That robot dog. You can program them differently, I guess. I don't know. And there's a psychic artist that's gaining popularity on Etsy for drawing pictures of your future soulmate. That's right. Droves of romantic hopefuls who can't get dates because they are cat lovers or they've had fights over the dog have turned to Etsy during the quarantine trying to discover their one true love from the hands of the psychic artist, an anonymous seller that claims to have these psychic abilities uh, to draw one's soulmate. Um, <laughs> it'd be interesting to just have her draw somebody for me and see if that looks like my wife. My drawings are very realistic and accurate. A description for these soulmate drawings reads, This service will bring a reflection of whom you are going to marry, describing and drawing the physical appearance of your soulmate. And the seller has reduced the wait from, well, a lifetime to just 24 hours when delivering the soulmate photo or portrait. Unfortunately, though, for those considering shelling out the reduced price of just 3361 as over 59 or almost 60,000 people have already done, the psychic alleges to have the skills to back up these hurried sketches of lasting love. I'm a natural-born psychic expert. My psychic expertise has been utilized by governments and celebrities, judges, lawyers, and everyone in between. I got called psychic artist after I successfully worked with several public figures and government institutions explaining and drawing exactly what will happen next. Throughout my career, I have had over 7,000 clients, and all of my predictions came true. It's quite a track record. The success of the 
predictions is seemingly up for debate, though, from those who purchased the service, which uh, comes with a portrait sketch and a lengthy description of attributes that the alleged suitor would have based upon just your name and birth date. But there are signs that you may have gone to a bad psychic. For one, they keep forgetting your name. Their answer to every question is, reply hazy, try again. They keep offing pedicures and body waxing, and they predicted that Jeff Foxworthy was going to win an Oscar. Their parlor is in the basement of a Carl Jr.'s restaurant. Another sign you may have gone to a bad psychic, they keep asking if you happen to know how to read tarot cards, or they claim to be able to live stream The Departed. Now, that would be quite the uh, seance. Would you need a Ouija board for that? Or do they have one now that's a app for your phone? That would be kind of cool. Constant use of the phrase, it could go any number of ways. <laughs> I love that one. This is the first that they've heard of this coronavirus thing. That's a good sign you've gone to a bad psychic. Another one is a smell of Cheez-Its and Michelob. That would be my first warning sign right there. And finally, a sign you've gone to a bad psychic. The response to every question is, who wants to know? Are you masturbating on the clock? Seriously. You know, maybe you set an alarm. I don't know. Well, you're not alone, according to a survey. Horny employees working from home over this lockdown are feeding more than just their hunger during their daily lunch breaks. They're satisfying their sexual desires. According to the live streaming sex cam site called Strip Chat. Not Snapchat. No, it's Strip Chat. Yes, there is a <laughs> there is a site called that. They say more than three quarters of U.S. users are logging in to watch their content between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Would that be considered prime time? It's about 158,000 users logging in a day out of 210,000 users total. By far the most popular time of day is between 3 and 4 p.m., with about 90% of the users logging on then, according to the data compiled between June 5th and June 12th. Remote workers are beginning to explore new mid-afternoon pick-me-ups since another cup of coffee just isn't cutting it anymore, says Strip Chat's communications director, Max Bennett. Data shows that with more people working remotely, there has been a dramatic increase in people tuning into porn during the workday. New Yorkers also seem to be among the most titillating during lunch. 10% of Strip Chat's viewers are based in the Empire State. California is first, making up 16% of the site's viewership. About three-quarters are tuning in using their phones during work hours, with Android making up over 43% and the iPhones only 32%. It's a lot of data that they know about you. And what were the common rules of the house growing up? I know we had a few in my house. A survey looked at the most common rules of the house we had growing up. Which ones did you have in your house that your parents made you follow? I like this one. And most of these were my were my rules too. You can't play till you finish your homework. Yep. 43% of us had to deal with that. And another one that I had to deal with, no TV till the homework is done. 37% said that. 35% said you can't leave the table until you eat all your vegetables. Yeah. Usually it was the green beans. 34% got no sweets until after dinner. 
30% had a limit on TV time if it was a school night. Yeah, that was exactly the thing for me, too. Finish everything on your plate, even if you don't like it. 29% said that. Oh, I had to cough down a lot of that stuff. You can't do anything fun until your chores are finished. 28% said that. Oh, yes, and... Pretty much, I'd had my chores and I couldn't do anything until they were done. No snacks right before dinner. So the the question is, when is the crossover line between before dinner and right before dinner? That's what I want to know. And then 27% said that they had to be home before the street lights come on. Of course, when I was a kid, we didn't really have any street lights. No eating in your bedroom. Now, that never was a problem with me, but boy, I'll tell you, it's a big stickler for my my wife. And uh, guess what? It was never obeyed. Now, the survey also asked people to name the top things that made someone's house a cool house when they were kids. Well, obviously, the top answers were good snacks. Yeah, video games, of course, cable television, a pool, and obviously better toys than you had. Do you wear cologne or do you wear perfume? I used to wear a lot of that whenever I was younger. I don't really do so much now, mainly because I just can't afford it. But 1 in 20 people want you to wear more of it. That's right, 1 in 20. I guess there's one benefit from working from home. You don't have to deal with that one coworker who wears so much cologne you can't even walk into the office. There was a recent online poll asked 25,000 Americans if they think people who wear cologne and perfume use too much of it or too little of it or just the right amount. Well, almost nobody wants you to wear more. Let's just cut right to the chase, folks. A full 50% said people wear too much in general. 27% said the right amount. 18% weren't really sure. And just 1 in 20 want you to dial it up and wear a little bit more. Yeah, Um, maybe you have a particular fragrance you consider to be your signature scent. Well, I know I did in college. 32% of Americans answered yes to that question. And I don't like some of the stuff they put on this Axe stuff. Man, some of the stuff they put on is like they took a bath in turpentine or something. It was terrible. What I liked was two, two brands. I think they still make them. The cheaper of the two is Royal Copenhagen, and it's not tobacco. No, it's an actual cologne, and I love it because it has a lovely, um, easy-on-the-nose, kind of almost like a baby powder kind of smell. Very, very, I like I like that. And then there was gray flannel. And gray flannel, it has a much more kind of a richy, ritzy kind of smell, but it's not like your, you know, slopping on pine sol or something, you know? But I knew one woman, though, my gosh, she would wear some kind of perfume to church, and she put so much of that stuff on, even the Holy Spirit couldn't move in that church house. You know, maybe I should just check in with my insane Florida nephew from Jacksonville. Maybe see what his take has been on some of these uh, stupid stories. You know, it was Father's Day, and... He had his first Father's Day. So maybe see how how that went. Meet me in the shade of the sunshine tree. Pretty little Florida sunshine tree. In the shade of the sunshine tree.
It is the uh, insane Florida nephew. How's it going? It, it, it is going Florida today. <laughs> it's going to Florida. So <laughs> you are out in the park with your doggy, is what I hear? Yes. Uh, no one here. And I, I think it has a lot more to do with the fact it's about 97 degrees. Oh, yeah. For the pandemic. Right, right. Well, now you and the dog were social distancing, I hope. <laughs> it was just the two of us out there, and he likes to run uh, way too far, way further than I can throw him, I think. Right, right. Because, you know, they're, they're not completely sure that you can pass COVID on to pets. Okay. I know that some cats have, ta- have caught it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no word on dogs yet. So you might be, you might be okay. So, so you, you had your first Father's Day. I got to hear about this, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, spent the day running back and forth between fathers. Uh, <laughs> got to spend some time with the in-laws. And yeah. then uh, drove over to my parents where we actually played a board game with my dad called Pandemic. And uh, <laughs> naturally, we, uh, we almost won and, and were just about one card or one, one move, if you will, short. And so I, I think that's the Groundhog's Day version of it being a longer uh, quarantine period this year. How appropriate. A Father's Day uh, holiday um, playing a game of pandemic. Well, that, Did you get any special treatment since you're a first-time father? Um, I get special treatments every day, I feel oh, like. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the fact that I don't have to go to work at all yeah. with this paternity leave, that is the gift itself. So. Of course, of course. A bit, I would have thought that you would have gotten a present being a father. You get your first Father's Day present. Yes. Um, my, my present was not having to get a present. I see. Myself. I see. I think you got gypped. <laughs> that might be the case. I don't I, feel Jim, though. Okay, well, that's good. That my, what 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 I got was my my trip to uh to to, to Father's Day dinner, uh, and and so you know I got my my big monster Pittsburgh size sandwich, you know, and uh, at at uh, a, a great restaurant in State College. So, um, but uh, well, that's good. I'm glad you had a good Father's Day. Now you had a chance to kind of look over some of the stupidity the stories that uh, i've been covering this week in on the pod and you know i just want to kind of run down and you you had a chance to kind of look over some of them right oh yeah 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 well so i just kind of uh give get another take i mean it's always good because sometimes i wonder whether it's just i'm the only one that sees things as stupid it's always good to get a second opinion you know (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, so um, I'm sure that living in the greater Jacksonville metropolitan area, you get a lot of uh, issues in traffic. So first one off the out of the gate. I'm sure now you're a good guy. You're you would never give anybody the finger. Right. No, no. (laughs) Florida is known for its wide variety of birds. <laughs> Tropical and exotic. There's some really large birds down here, all <laughs> over the place. That's good. Uh, and and uh, well, so you've got birds. Um, what what my wife calls it is the New Jersey salute. <laughs> 
So, but <laughs> have have you been the recipient of anybody giving you a bird? You know, I probably i I don't really pay attention much. I'm paying attention to the river and it's right. beautiful down here. The That's... music I'm listening to. Uh, my wife, it seems like every time she gets behind the wheel of a car, though, someone's flicking her off. Yeah. And it's the funniest thing to listen to yeah. her get all worked up over. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll find that, uh, w- what I always like to say is that, that my, my wife knows every driver on the highway and she carries on a conversation with them as she goes around them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so but but that's good at least you've never given anybody the bird and maybe if you've ever been you know given one you were completely unaware of it so i guess that's probably a good thing <laughs> that's not the way i roll yeah but but there were some other things in this in this thing too you know i mean uh i i have actually i confess i have tailgated people okay just because they're morons um yeah yeah really? especially when they're doing 10 miles below the speed limit and completely oblivious to anything going on around them you know but i've never stolen a parking spot from anybody although i've had a few stolen from me so yeah that oh gosh that is yeah absolutely so well talking about being socially distanced um and and you know you actually mentioned one of the things that people have been doing as families this year is playing board games. So that's like the yeah, number one yeah. thing. Uh, and, and, uh, but, but they had others, you know, like camping in the backyard, making arts and crafts, reading. Uh, what about, uh, have you, well, you probably haven't got to the point you can do blanket and pillow forts yet you know, with, with, with your young son. Not yet, but I've been tempted to just do it. I think myself. you should, you know, um, but, but, Definitely, there will come a time when that that's probably gonna gonna be uh, happening. Also, um, but yeah. So you actually mentioned the fact that you did the, you know the number one thing for socially distance uh, recreation is playing the board the board games. You know, so the, the longer it takes to learn the directions, the the better. Of course, the game. my favorite board game actually. Have you ever um, heard of this game called A Question of Scruples? Um. I'm not old. Yeah, I was going to say I'm that. dating myself. <laughs> have you? But you have heard of it, or are you familiar with it? I, I have. I have heard of it, most likely because I've seen it lying around uh, your family's yes. house. It's definitely well, the one I like to play the most. The whole concept of the game, see, is that you have to have someone guess what they think your scruples are, and you can bluff people too. But then they've got to you know, decide or vote whether you're telling the truth or whether you're not. And you've got to give a good argument as to whether or not you are telling the truth or not. So, for instance, one of the questions would be like, um, you're given a situation, which is uh, your 16-year-old daughter comes to you and asks for your signature for her to get birth control. Do you give it to her? <laughs> and so... Uh, I can see why oh, yeah. <laughs> so... So, anything to stir the pot, me, make everyone angrier than before. Me they stir the pot, really. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that you would say that. So, so well, the the best part about this is, this was a question that came up, and I very patently said, "Well, yes, I'll give give her my my supposed." And this is before I was even married. I said, "Yeah, I'll give my signature," and people disagreed with me. 
Okay, they 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 thought that they said, "Oh, you're pulling our leg. You would you would fight that tooth and nail." Which, in fact, no. I had argued the fact that I would have already had the talk, you know, with the kids. They would have already known where I came from. So, you know, my signature, if I wasn't going to give it, she was going to get it one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They actually, of course, you know, if they don't, they, they, they don't believe you, then you can actually call for a vote and get everybody around the table to vote to whether or not you're telling the. I got voted down and I was telling the truth. <laughs> we're, next time that we get together, we're going to play this. Okay. I, you know, I, I'm down for that. I mean, you. and you got to work on your poker face. I've got a pretty decent poker face. <laughs> as long as I'm not trying to lie, I have to just roll with the punch, like just roll with it. Oh, no, but so you may have to lie on, on this game. Okay. Oh, I can do that as long as I, I have to, I have to play, <laughs> I play a game like that. I put on a character and I just keep, I have to full throttle 100% that uh-huh. character. And you'll know I'm lying when okay. I play a character that. Okay. That All right. Well, that, that's good. That's good. Now, um, one of the things that was I've, I've talked about in this in this crazy thing, in this uh, stupid world, is the uh, Zoom reunion for Ghostbusters. Have you ever seen the movie Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2? Uh, the, yes. Ghostbusters 1 and 2, not the remake. Good. Good. You didn't do you did. This was the one with all the women, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so what was your best part about the the first Ghostbusters? Oh, gosh. Uh, Well, Zool is the one I quoted the most. You identified (laughs) with that character. Well, I don't know if I identified with Zool. Uh, Maybe every man to some degree identifies a little bit with Zool, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so did you like one or two better oh definitely yeah. one totally i'm 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 with you on that oh, one. Oh yeah De- definitely on that one so so that's good so that so so i don't know the 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 zoom the zoom reunion though with with the ghostbusters it was pretty cool i mean um i, I saw some clips of it i don't know if you got to see it or not but i never got a chance to check yeah, that, that was actually yet. they've been doing a, a lot of different zoom meetings with different cats but, right but it, it was it was actually it was actually pretty entertaining, I must admit. And Ray Parker Jr. did a pretty good job on the electric guitar, you know, doing the, the theme song. So but oh, yeah. I love Ray Parker Jr. anyway. I like, you know, even when he was in the old group radio. You've heard of that, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I, I I like I'm I'm in I'm in for the, the old nineteen seventies disco stuff, you know. I'm I'm down with that. <laughs> so that that was my glory year. So um, and, and, and uh, so another thing I talked about was was the sitcom dads getting dumber. Have you noticed that yourself? You know, I maybe it's because I wasn't around back uh, watching those kind of things back in the 80s. But I have uh, in retrospect. Yes, I didn't think about that until right until I was hearing it on your uh, insane. Yes, world. yes. I mean, they always go after Homer Simpson, the cartoon character, but. But the, the thing, he's gotten less stupid. Oh, he's gotten <laughs> past the nine. I think I you're like. probably onto something there. But the, I never thought about Ray Romano. But I, I mean, he he was, and the other one was uh, the guy that played in Married with Children. What what was that dude's name? Oh, I can't gosh. remember. Was it? Oh, yeah, I, don't know. I, I I that was the one that I was going to. But I've I've never seen a full episode of Married with Children. I've never. I've just seen dribs and drabs i never cared for the show never really wanted to watch the show never even you know for me 
my favorite sitcom dad, I'm going way back with this, is Herman Munster. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, he, he gives some great advice to his son, Eddie. And, and what I like about it is, you know, the whole thing was a big play on Father's Knows Best. That's the whole point. But mm-hmm. I have every single episode of The Munsters on DVD. I, I was more of an Adams Family oh, kid growing so, up. So you identify more with, uh, with, with, with Father Adams, huh? Yeah, with that suave mustache, particularly. <laughs> yes, this is true. I think maybe I identify more with Herman Munster because I'm a klutz like he is. <laughs> you know, I, in fact, my my own dad was kind of a, a klutz himself when it comes to, you know, repairing things. And that's one of the things uh-huh. that I was talking about is folks spent their time during the lockdown trying to do home improvement. That's not a good idea for me. Because I will make I will make yeah. it worse. How good are you at making doing home? And I mean, you've had to do some yourself. You've had to make some home improvements or some repairs yourself. Have you made it worse or have you actually done a pretty good job of it? I am a work in progress, <laughs> uh, practicing that. I know whenever I'm beyond my limits, at least. Oh, you don't, you don't uh, push it. Oh, I got this. I can do this. No, yeah. I, well, yeah, no, I, I definitely don't do that. Most everything is under warranty still, which is pretty nice because the place we bought was renovated. So if, if something major right. breaks, it's free at this point still for the next 10 years. Most well, things. Good. Um, most recent thing I did was just plug up every hole that you could imagine. Oh, okay. With just spray oh, foam. Oh, spray foam. You didn't and, use uh, the putty. No, I just needed to fill the cracks there because uh, there's a lot of bugs yeah. in, in Florida. You, what was the you, – you actually had something that you – it was like a, every time it would rain, you got leaks and stuff coming in too, right? Oh, my gosh. That's the stupid roof. Okay. Um, there's a, a foyer window in the front that would always leak when it would rain. And we got the roofs out there about three or four times. They said they couldn't find anything. We put an independent contractor who was going to give us a free quote. And he right off the bat, he's like, oh, well, the metal flashing under there is broken. They never replaced it when they did the wow. roof. And sure enough, we get the guys out there. They replace it. It is good That's as good. Gold. So at least you're smart enough to know this is bigger than you. Well, yes. See, for me... Just driving nails on the wall is more than I can handle. I just. <laughs> That's actually pretty tough, right? The house is concrete, the bottom floor. Yeah. So I, it's uh, nails are pretty Yeah, tough. I, I really, I, I really don't want to even tr- trust myself beyond this. So, well, I mean, you've got your young baby now that's about what, two and a half months old, right? Two and a half yep. months and old. And so you, you're, you're still pretty safe, but pretty soon. The kid is going to learn how to walk and going to learn how to explore. And you got to put a lock on your bedroom, right? <laughs> yeah. Have you thought about what are you going to do? You know, I mean, you don't want the kid walking in on you. Well, we've got a lock on the, the downstairs okay. uh, door to our bedroom. Right. We've also got stairs. Right. I think the stairs will prevent some yeah. of that for a you bit. Think. He'll learn how to climb those things pretty quickly, well, I think. He, if he's got um, any of my chromosomes, he probably will. <laughs> He'll be climbing the door yeah. frames. And Did I ever tell you? Sticking his head between the bandages. Well, true story. Okay, when I was a kid, probably about, I'm going to say six, uh, you know, in, in, in my house up where my parents 
bathroom, master bathroom was. Okay, they, they, you had the old 1960s type of cabinet where you've got, you know, a spring in the, in the legs on the top and the bottom, and you kind of, uh-huh. you know, between the ceiling and the floor, and, and then you got like a little cabinet. Usually you see these things over the toilet, you know, but where we had yeah. it was we had it like off to the side, and our dirty clothes hamper was right there underneath it. So, you know, mom had all of her makeup in this thing and some, some, some stuff on the top. The very top shelf, she had all the cleaning stuff, okay? So um, I remember very vividly climbing up onto this, this uh, clothes hamper and getting the can of Lysol from the very top shelf. Decided for some reason, I wonder what this tasted like. And sprayed some in the cap and took a little sip of it, Okay. Honestly, and, and, and never thought much more about it until I was talking to my mom a few minutes later and she smelled it on my breath. And have you been drinking? <laughs> exactly. She wanted to know what it was, and I told her, and she flipped out, called the doctor. The doctor kind of chewed her out. Why did you let him do this? And her response was, It was on the top shelf. He climbed up and took it. So trust me, your kid's going to be doing this. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh man and from that point forward it turned your hair red <laughs> so, did you now you never got into mischief like that as a kid right uh no all the time are yeah. you kidding uh, i mean you know this so I'm, I'm right. a twin uh recently found out identical mm-hmm. and uh so you know any bad idea that one of us had we had a second partner in crime who was willing to commit yeah. with uh, so yeah, uh, twice the bad ideas now, with twice the, uh, I guess and, the instigation. And you never blamed your brother your for pressure. any of that stuff. All right. the time. <laughs> so, but when I, so I found this out as I got older, he was actually the passive aggressive. Oh, is that now. right? And so he, he found out that I would, if you push my buttons, I would just kind of go off. Uh, and, and so what he would end up doing is intentionally start picking fights or intentionally, frame things to begin with so that I would go off and then all of a sudden we're not complaining about the fact that that the the fight happened there we're now going off and, and I'm getting in trouble for me there running you go. him out and uh, he gets it a little bit easier punishment wise and sits back in enjoyment while he goes out and has fun with friends and I'm so he stokes you you react and you get punished for it that that was how that <laughs> went down and I never caught on to it until he gave himself up about five oh. years ago <laughs> you know, something I've never confessed, and you know, my dear, dearly departed parents have gone on. But I remember as a kid, was you know, we would play with the kids over at the house. I would get up into the attic and hide from kids, and we'd do all this stuff. I, I climbed up and went up into the attic beyond the part of the attic that they had put the floor down. I was actually balancing myself on the on the rafters. And got myself uh-huh. to the far end of the house and somehow mistakenly slipped off of one of the, the beams and my knee went right through the insulation, through the, the panel ceiling in the living room. Okay. You remember those old panel type ceilings? Okay. Oh, I yeah. watched as I looked down the hole and I saw that panel get smaller and smaller and land on the couch down in the living room. <laughs> and I thought, okay. So what I did, my parents weren't at home. I ran down, got into the living room, left 
the panel on the couch and poked the insulation back up into the roof and never said a word. And my mom comes home and she sees this and assumed that the panel must have just somehow gotten moisture in it and dropped out and never said nothing about it. Well, we'll get your cousin James to come over here and get it put back together. I never said a word. And to, they went to their grave thinking <laughs> that that little panel dropped down to my, you know, there's some things I can get away with, you know, it's, it, again, it goes back to the poker face. So, so I was able to, you know, get by with that. And, and so at least your, your brother was bold enough to come clean five years ago, huh? <laughs> if you consider that boldness, <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the meantime, were you surprised or was it just something you were confirmed about? I'm not surprised. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now, what I want to get your opinion on now is the big stink over pancake syrup. I was hearing about Aunt Jemima. Yeah. Oh, it's Miss Mother Butterworth too. I mean, don't don't leave Aunt Jemima by herself. Uncle Ben, yeah. Okay, and 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 we're getting into to also rice and even cream of wheat. You know what's going on? I mean, do, do, do you think that maybe we've completely lost it? Uh, well, I think that we've we're we're a couple streets down from completely lost already. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can see maybe Aunt Jemima possibly triggering some people, but what really blew me away was the whole thing with cream of wheat. And now the Eskimo pies. Yeah, I heard about Eskimo pies. I, I, you know, here's the thing. I thought, I, and I could be wrong, but I thought I saw like the, one of the ancestors of Aunt Jemima themselves being upset They're about They're very that. upset about it. Oh yeah. Uh, what her his name is Nancy Green, I think, and, and the whole family is saying that her whole legacy is being wiped out, all because they're trying to be super careful and not be considered racist. So, what do you think is more racist? The fact that they're changing Aunt Jemima, or the fact that they're erasing the entire legacy of somebody that made it famous? I I mean I would run with the legacy of the two, oh. but um, I the thing that gets me is just the one hand they they try to you know sweep that up but on the other hand you know they, they know they're doing stuff behind right. that uh that that doesn't um i guess what what would you say uh well up? yeah absolutely it's like you you're 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 to me i think it, you're killing a fly with a sledgehammer you know to mm. some degree uh, no this this could just be me but the thing i've noticed so my wife and i we kind of were in a way laughing about it because I, we can't think of anybody we've ever known in our entire life who who holds that kind of view. Of course. Uh, especially kind of being born early uh -huh. 90s. I've been raised not even thinking anything of it. And, and so part of me kind of wonders if just the talk of everything yeah. is making people more right. racist by, by keeping, you know, poking that or mentioning that. But, uh, you know, when I, when I noticed that, when we do kind of sit back and notice, I was like, you know... It, those that are going for the what is it um, hashtag right to and and the uh, the racism the Black Lives that, Matter. I I hear most of this coming from like bubbles mm -hmm. that exist like Hollywood. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or or like media places and 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 where these bubbles where they say that they experience this all the time and I think you know what I don't as I've as I've seen more things I don't doubt that they aren't experienced that at all but. 
it seems like it's the same people that are trying to apologize. Mm-hmm. Like the real people who feel guilty are the ones trying to take these steps. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then those who don't have anything to feel guilty over are the ones that are sitting here kind of questioning it. Like, what? I don't get what's well, going on. And, and I could be well, wrong, but that's that's kind of my, my the, two cents that I've kind well, of Well, the interesting thing, too, I mean, you yourself have uh, are building a family across racial lines, being your wife is Hispanic. And we don't hear a lot about people, you know, take, you know, doing virtual virtue signaling over Hispanics, do we? Oh, no, they, uh, I mean, we were watching, uh, what, what was it, uh, Speedy Gonzalez at my mother-in-law's the other day, and she was laughing, she was like, this is so funny, <laughs> he's like, we were, I was looking at Slowpoke Rodriguez, and he's like, no, Slowpoke Rodriguez, he have a gun, and, and she was loving it, she's like, it's funny, because we do oh, sound yeah. like that, <laughs> and and so, yeah, no, they, they are hilarious, um, I, I get along very, very well with Latinos, Latinas. Uh, I I consider myself Mexican-in-law at this point. (laughs) Well, now be careful. You know, we wouldn't want you to be accused of virtue signaling yourself here now. (laughs) Right. But I remember when I was in college, I had black friends. I had Hispanic friends. I had Asian friends. I had Persian friends. And and my black friends and I, they they would make cracks about me being white and i would make cracks about them being black and we all laughed about it it's hilarious it's funny yeah no it's it, people i like yeah. normal people i'll put it i'll, I'll leave it at that i, like I remember people. sitting in my or going i remember in my dorm room one one time and these were back you know when they didn't have like apartments these were actual dorm rooms you know concrete block walls you know and i was lucky to have a laboratory in my dorm room and that was it the bathrooms were down the hall you know this was back you know in the prehistoric era whenever they were just getting colleges off the ground you know what i'm saying so oh yeah i have one of my black friends we're gonna go do some running around town get some you know supplies and whatnot it was a saturday he was gonna wait i said let me let me i look i I haven't had a chance to get ready let me just wet my hair i'll you know stick my hair head in the sink get my hair wet kind of clean it all out so I'm, i'm bent over with my head in the in the sink, washing my hair, and my my black friend Ricky is sitting on on the bed there in the dorm, and he starts laughing, and I'm like, "What's what's so funny?" This is exactly what he says to me. He goes, "I just love how you white people wash your hair." <laughs> I just think it was hilarious. I'm like, I, I said, "Ricky, oh, you have yeah. a Brillo pad. You don't have anything to wash." You know, yeah. People- People are just they 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 they're so they're they just so easily offended. It's it's crazy. It's crazy, you know. Yeah, I um uh, for for the one um like I, I every time I hear this I, I think with a good friend of mine mm-hmm. Cornelius, he's told me that the most for him now, now again I, I'm not gonna deny other people's sure. experiences that, that they have, but for his experience here in Jacksonville and a little bit in D.C. Um, he said that the most that he's ever experienced was what I think, um, I forget who it was. It might've been George W. Mm-hmm. Bush coined kind of the phrase soft bigotry of yes. expectations. Uh, he said that that was the, the kind of the, the majority of what he's experienced rate racism wise. Uh, and it, and it wasn't even someone intentionally, they were trying sure. to be helpful, but that was what was actually sure. hurting him. And so, you know, he comes home with some spelling questions uh, he must have been like what fourth, fifth grade, or right. something like that, and 
uh, you know, and his mom's helping him with spelling, uh, single mom. And, and, you know, she kind of asks, oh, well, what about these other questions? No, that's it. I only have to memorize six of these. And she's like, oh, but there's 12 spelling words on the page. He's like, oh, yeah, other people have to memorize more spelling words. But, you know, people are given different things. It's all right. I, I've got my homework done. We're good. And, you know, sure enough, you know, she comes in and she says, uh, why are you giving my son half the spelling words? And, you know, well, we don't want that. We want them to succeed. And, you know, we want to be able to give someone up to their expectations and, and ability. And she was like, if you ever give my son less wow. than the full amount, we are going to have a big issue. And, and you know, it's because of uh, she was yep. trying to be helpful. But, you know, it's because of his mom actually sticking out. That's good. Him and, and kind of instilling those good values. This guy is one of the smartest. People you know, and, today. and that uh, reminds me of an illustration I heard about, you know, um, Sometimes, you know, it's not you're not helping the person out by giving them a break, you know, um, the, the illustration I heard was about a guy sitting in a park at a picnic bench one spring afternoon, and he sees this cocoon that was hanging on the branch above the picnic table drop onto the t- table and start to move around, knowing that there was a, you know, a, a butterfly getting ready to come out. And so he sees it begin to split wobbling back and forth and so he decides i'm going to take out my little pen knife and i'm just going to take a make an ever so small slit to help that little butterfly and when he did um the butterfly was able to kind of flop out and just laid there and died and you know what the whole moral of the story is because the, the butterfly was actually in the struggle to get out of the cocoon he was able, it was able to build up enough strength to be able to fly. And the fact he had actually helped that butterfly, you actually was, it was a detriment because he was unable to have the strength then to actually fly. And, you know, life is that way. I mean, sometimes the struggle is there just to help us get stronger. And we uh, drove by our old, old apartment before we bought the house yesterday, just to kind of give ourselves that reminder of, of that kind of right right you know seeing looking back and seeing you know the weird thing is my parents used to do that with with uh us as kids that you know we had a nice brick house you know and and uh, my dad would always sometimes we were going into town he would drive off of one of the side streets on on old third street and he would slow down and go see that that white house right over there that that's where we start and he would do that to us all the time just to let, and of course, when yeah. we would go back to you know family reunions, he would take us out to the old shack that he grew up in. Of course, it's not standing now, but he would show, he would tell me that this was where he was born, and it was like you could see through the cracks in the wall. And he he would remember laying in oh, bed yeah. and looking through the cracks in the wall outside. You know, it was crazy. And so you have to. I yeah, your your dad. I know he did not grow up at, at all. Oh man, man, you know, and and yet. Yeah, and, and now on top of that, you know, he ended up getting tuberculosis along with my mom. And this was at a time that we didn't know they were going to actually survive. So he, mm-hmm. my dad would always tell me the tuberculosis sanatorium was the reason I was alive because had they not come up with a cure for TB, I wouldn't be here. Well, for that matter, you wouldn't be here yeah. either, actually, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. well, but, but people get into <laughs> these big arguments over stuff and it's really pointless you know because they don't understand the value um and speaking of arguments um now that you have a dog um do you expect to get into any arguments with your spouse over 
having the dog. You know, the, there's 10 common arguments that people have about the dog, like who has to walk them. One person gives them too many treats. Somebody has to clean up after them. You haven't come to that point yet, I hope. No, no. We, uh, that was the dog's <laughs> the deal for, uh, I for getting married. She had a husky before this and uh, when we first met. And so we, uh, I just told her, I was like, okay, bank account has to hit a certain dollar amount and I'm, I'm going to have to okay the breed. And so we went through a bunch of research to find the right one. And uh, we got a, a Shetland Sheepdog who likes to catch nice. uh here. Um, he he's a daddy's boy. Okay, and she's so, not. Uh, usually, we're going on a walk together, but usually I'm the one. So, so the dog is the daddy's boy. What about the cats? Are they the mama's mama mama cats? <laughs> yeah, the, it's funny because she doesn't like the cat that much. Uh, she does, but she doesn't. She says she doesn't, but but I can see that she does. And the cats all over of course. always. And I cats have this, have this interesting distinction that if you don't like cats, they follow you. They know that you don't like cats. And they just, they, they just I think they do that on purpose, you know? Now, she, she loves singing. So if we ever need to get her out of a room, we start singing and she'll come running out. Oh, funny. Towards us. And, uh, and then the, the dog is just by yes. my side yes. constantly uh, with that. But he, he is good. Uh, sleeps on our bed. At the oh, nice. Bed keeping watch of everything and uh um no no cold no cold noses at the feet though i'm sure no No, that's good no no he 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 likes to keep enough distance he's not really a cuddler but but he likes well that's good and finally this is the one i like i i i'm sure that you can probably check all these off the rules of the house there was you know talked about the rules of the house growing up and and uh I don't know if you had had a chance to look over those rules of the house, but I think I, I laughed at that one because I'm pretty sure I had every <laughs> single one of those rules, <laughs> at least at some point in my life. Were you made to eat all your vegetables? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? What one one vegetable I couldn't stand. And I don't know if you've ever had it or not. And I really think you should try it just because it's part of your heritage is poke salad. You ever, you ever heard of that? I, well, I remember that you you were surprised to see poke salad on the menu. That's at right, Disney. but it was a different. I found that it was something different. It was I found it wasn't with the original poke salad that I thought. But this stuff is the nastiest stuff God ever put on planet Earth. <laughs> and and my grandmother would go and pick, and they were nothing but weeds. There was a guy. I tell you, no lie. In our church, put something out on our little community listserv for our church. He has an overabundance of poke salad and it's anybody you can come get it for the asking. I wrote the guy back and I said, if I was on my deathbed dying of starvation, I would turn that offer down. <laughs> I'm I, the one I couldn't do was. Oh, food. really? I, yeah, I cannot. No, it's been seven years or so since I've had it. So maybe it, you need to grill it. Have changed, you need to put it in. No, Everything. Well, of course, put it in some in some like aluminum foil and set it on the grill and cook it like that. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic! I love asparagus, but it makes your pee stink. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one, one thing I do usually do is I try to pick one food at a time that I don't like and learn. To oh like my! It. And uh, and so I, I've pretty much gotten a. It's a short list of food I yeah. don't eat now. So at this point. what was the one food that you? didn't like and you kind of trained yourself into liking it um well started with avocados. really 
and chickpeas. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't like him at first. I think it was just because yeah. I was young. Um, and then I got food poisoning off of some bad chicken, arepas, Ooh. and guacamole. And uh, I'm finally getting back in avocados well, after that. Um, we, ever since we ended up catching salmonella from a bad b- batch of pulled pork, my wife still hasn't gone back to eating it again. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah. Oh. Um, I can say like olives, uh, mushrooms. Oh, my. Um, I love those uh, yeah. hummus, yep. chickpeas. Yep. Love that. Um, now, do you like the black or the green or both? The black or green them. olives? Okay. Oh, both. Both See, point, I yeah. can eat olives, pop them in my mouth like grapes, man. I just I, I give them to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But asparagus, man, I've always grown up loving asparagus. Totally, totally love it. It's, it. But it can't be too stemmy. I don't want it stemmy. I want it nice and mushy. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So some of the other uh, common rules of the house here. No TV to your homework is done. That ever happened to you? All oh, the yeah. time? And, and yeah. Oh, and, yeah. No video games, yep. all the homework done. Now, no did, did your mom let you eat in your bedroom? Uh, we would sneak food in the bedroom, but we... I don't even... Was there a hard line rule for that? I assume that there was. I remember one time my brother snuck some hostess cakes and hid them in the unfinished rafters <laughs> above us. And uh, in the middle of the night, I see him crawl up there. and uh, I was I was pissed, mostly because I wanted some hostess stuff and i i ate mine earlier that night <laughs> yeah well that's okay some of my kids they would sneak food in and forget about it and we would find it six months later and pretty soon we had a science experiment going <laughs> i heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well any case oh well have you seen or heard of any insanity or has it just been a pretty much routine week for you well, uh, well, I did catch a story. This is an older story, but a New Zealand man falling on a, uh, a air compressor, really? an industrial one at the work site. It it uh, stabs him in the left <laughs> buttocks and ends up inflating it, him. And I mean, like he twice the size of what he normally was. Air coming between the layer of you're fat kidding. And muscle. Uh, I'm not kidding. I mean, it's funny because the, the guy's good. He's fine. But, um, you know, he said there was a couple hours where they were waiting for an ambulance. They were in the middle and, of nowhere. So the ambulance had to fly in. He survived. Wow. But it was apparently very uncomfortable wow. as he was being inflated <laughs> like, a, like a football. That's awesome. That is, but no video. <laughs> I don't know if there was video. Oh, my gosh. So he I ended up looking not. like the Stay Puff man. That's, yeah, they were saying the uh, Michelin <laughs> man. But... To keep it with uh, with Ghostbusters, <laughs> he was well. It, it, it so it it was it, it went through his buttock, and I was thinking if it had you know gone through the butthole, it would have been even worse. I'm bet. Oh yeah, no. I, along with this this weird uh, internet search uh, path that I found myself on, uh, that led me on to practical jokes that were happening in Japan where. At the factory, someone would try to put a little air hose while someone's bending <sighs> over, and uh, it turns out that's lethal. Yeah. Uh, even when you when it's outside the clothing wow. and everything, it messes with your lungs. And a couple hours yeah. later, there are multiple occurrences of bad practical oh, jokes of that wow. going bad. Well, the 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 ones that I always enjoyed were the the guys that tried to light their farts on fire. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I've, I'm kind of partial towards those who accidentally fall on fire trucks and GI <laughs> Joes and uh, go to the emergency room and try to describe uh, their well, obvious. Well, with, with that things that like that, the guy that had the tilapia swim up his uh, bunghole was the. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, what it's... was he doing? You know, and, and what was he not wearing? I don't understand. So, well, uh, there, there was one that I, I, I almost put in this week, but this is a true story. And I just read it this week that a guy and, I, and, and, and why do these weird stories always happen in places like Cambodia? I don't know. But a guy was swimming and a leech swam up his uh, manhood and drank a pint of blood before he figured out what was going on. Oh, <laughs> honest. To oh, no. I'm thinking, number one, how does that happen? And number two. Was there a reporter nearby that had to report about it or something? I mean, how do we get news like this out? That's the crazy part. I'm sure that somewhere in the world, someone will pay a lot oh, of money for that. Oh, my too. gosh. Any case. Well, anyway, it's always good talking to you there. And, and, and uh, you know, it, as always, we will find some more stupidity next time and chit-chat about it. So uh, enjoy your, uh, your time with the, with the doggy. <laughs> out in the park and and uh, your new little baby boy and and pretty soon we'll be hearing stories of you having to put uh something more than locks on your bedroom because the kids figured out how to get in and pick the lock <laughs> yeah so all right man well have yourself a great week good talking to you same all right same we'll see you buddy love you man all right love you too bye-bye And now, from the news desk of Insane Eric Lane, it's the Week in Review. The 24-hour fitness chain has filed for bankruptcy after lockdowns shuttered gyms across the country. The bankruptcy case started last week, but everyone quit going after three days. Yeah, with 145 gym locker rooms potentially closing, thousands of old men are now looking for a place to walk around naked. A survey by the Drizzly Alcohol Delivery Company found that sales of cheap liquor have gone up by 600% during the lockdown. That's because you don't have to worry about cheap liquor hangover if you're not leaving the house the next day. I don't think we needed a survey to tell us alcohol sales were up. Just go on Facebook. Seven of the largest airline carriers are going to ban passengers that refuse to wear masks during flights. The announcement was expected to come earlier on in the month, but, well, it got delayed. Social distancing is changing everything, but from now on, you can only join the Mile High Club alone. And Ford plans to unveil a new Bronco in July. It happens to also coincidentally be on O.J. Simpson's birthday. If you buy the same color as O.J., they'll give you a really killer deal. Unfortunately, it doesn't come with A.C., so you'll have to drive it yourself. According to the brochure, though, it's perfect for off-roading or uh, leading police on a low-speed chase. People give O.J. a hard time on social media, but look, he had followers way before it was cool. Uh, Hunter Biden and his new wife, Melissa Cohen, were spotted with their new baby in Beverly Hills. The funny thing is the article describes him as a hands-on father. 
Apparently, apples don't fall far from the tree. And a growing number of airlines are banning alcoholic drink sales because of coronavirus concerns. I never thought I'd live to see the day that corona would stop me from getting a corona. Dozens of airlines have banned alcoholic drinks for passengers and, well, Spirit may ban them for pilots. A new poll found that Americans are the unhappiest they've been in the past 50 years. And if this keeps up, somebody's going to start a new country in Seattle. I mean, anyone else find it a little bit curious that American unhappiness has gone down for 10 straight years while social media use has gone up? Social media is a fight club where people beat each other up over what they don't like about the country. Sorry, I know I'm not supposed to talk about fight club. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has blamed young people for a recent surge in coronavirus cases, saying they didn't wear masks in bar-type settings during Memorial Day, uh, the celebrations then. So, I mean, I've heard of politicians funneling the blame, but this is a little much. Now, apparently, you can't flatten the curve while you flatten the six-pack. Of course, he knows it wasn't the protesters because heat kills the virus, right? And they lit a lot of buildings on fire. A British politician is calling uh, for Kellogg's company to ban Rice Krispie cereal because each box features three white boys on the cover. (laughs) If you're going to act this woke, Kellogg's should be like, "Uh, we don't see gender. How dare you? What a miserable dude. Sounds like this is the only box he's getting. Nathan's 4th of July hot dog eating contest is going to take place without an audience this year because of coronavirus concerns. Now, I'm no health expert, but if you're really concerned about people's health, I don't know, maybe don't feed them 50 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Last time I checked, that wasn't in the CDC guidelines. Of course, never mind if you eat that many hot dogs, you'll have to flatten more than one curve. Doesn't really affect me, though, because if I wanted to see someone eat like a slob on the 4th, I'd just buy a mirror. 14,000 people have signed a Change.org petition to replace Tennessee's Confederate monuments with statues of Dolly Parton. But even those statues won't last. You know, I mean, the problem is our statues are so top-heavy, they fall over on their own. Rasmussen poll found that 34% of Americans think a second civil war is likely. The other 66% don't have Twitter. I disagree, though. The civil war was fought because one group wanted to secede from the country. This time around, we'd let them go. Nobody can stand each other. And Ford is planning to take on Tesla with its uh, hands-free driving feature in the new Mustang. These companies really don't impress me with their hands-free driving. I mean, women have been driving hands-free and putting on lipstick for years, and that's not a sexist comment because men have been doing it to eat burgers and drink milkshakes. I was just shouting out the woman because, uh, you know, theirs is more impressive. There. Am I uncanceled now? By the way, you know what it's called when women apply makeup, don't you? There's a word for that. It's spelled F-A-R-D. That's right. The word fard means to apply makeup. And trust me, I have seen many times at the stoplight women farting in their car. NASA is racing to send a rover up to Mars before the 
planet is out of range at the end of the next month in July. It's an unmanned flight, but <clears throat> after watching the news over the last several weeks, hundreds of astronauts are asking to get on. And just to be clear, a rover is an exploration vehicle. They're not sending a dog, which is too bad because the memes would be amazing. Prince Charles says his sense of smell and taste still hasn't been back after three months from testing positive from the coronavirus. Of course, if you've ever eaten British food, you know it's not a big loss. And for the second time in a week, reporters were banned from listening to the final hour of Joe Biden's virtual fundraiser, although they wouldn't have heard Joe Biden because he was telling everyone he was Batman. The rumor is that the campaign cutoffs reporters uh, when Biden starts uh, having senior moments. It's amazing that Democrats keep telling us that they're the party of the youth, and yet they nominate this guy. I've seen younger faces on money. And the Tushy Bidet Company is hiring one person to poop and study their own defecation habits for $10,000. Of course, it's not a new position. <clears throat> The last guy had a crack problem. Yeah, and you thought you had a crappy job in college. My buddy, he had one of those gigs, and he got thrown out for hitting a girl. Yeah, he got me pooed. Well, it pays well. I mean, after a few days, you're really down in the dumps. Now, I'm going to stop the poop puns because they really stink now. The bidet squirts water up your butt, you know, after you go to the bathroom. You, you feel like the target at the carnival game where they spray the water gun to blow up a balloon, but in this case, the, they spray the water gun to clean up the balloon knot. In Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star Lisa Rinna posed for a naked photo shoot wearing nothing but a pair of sunglasses. It was a chance to see Rinna as we've never seen her before. <laughs> Sober. What, Rinna's 56, I think? It's nice to know that in a world of Tiger Kings, we still have some cougars. Jeffrey Epstein's fugitive madame, Ghislaine Maxwell, says said to be hiding out in a luxury flat in Paris. People say that she really misses Epstein. That guy was a great hang. Uh, what, too soon? So the Netflix documentary that claimed that 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 out uh, claims that she's had an affair with Bill Clinton, but Clinton says uh, uh, it's close, but no cigar. <laughs> President Trump says he supports a quote very generous stimulus package. Of course, this isn't the first time this sort of thing has happened. Back in the '90s, Bill Clinton supported stimulating his package. And a study by Penn State University found that the initial infection rate of coronavirus was 80 times higher than believed. And these are college kids, you know, so they know all about getting higher. Although, knowing they are college kids, they may have been studying the wrong corona. The Seattle authorities have moved to dismantle that autonomous nation of CHOP after a string of shootings inside that police-free zone. The people of CHOP could uh, really read the writing on the wall, which makes sense because they spray-painted it. I mean, the people of CHOP are really frustrated. They're like... Who do you have to loot to loot around here? And despite the backlash, Chop was a pretty warm place, mostly from the burning stores, but, you know, you get it. Chop will go down as the second biggest disaster in Seattle history, right after the Mariners. And North Korea is threatening to create a, quote, sensational event that will lead to the destruction of America. Somebody needs to just tell them 
We don't need any help. Tennis star Novak Djorkovic and his wife Jelena. Oh, they've tested positive for coronavirus after throwing this wild party at a Serbian nightclub. You know, those tennis stars love to swing with other couples because love means nothing in tennis. Anyone who's ever been to a Serbian nightclub will tell you there are far worse things to test positive for. Do not touch anyone's tennis balls. And an elderly woman accidentally flashed a crowd during a Zoom bat mitzvah for Gilbert Godfrey's daughter. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, my. Yeah, if you're wondering, she was a 36 long. She had a nice dress on, though. She bought it straight off the rack. It was just a crazy wrinkle in time, though. Yeah, I love how they say accidentally, you know, like Grandma didn't have too much Manischewitz. Underneath this genius, I'm simply a human. It's like a caveman thing or something. And now this week's genius award. Well, that's awkward. An upstart Brooklyn Assembly candidate once mooned a couple who was having sex and then blogged about it. Emily Gallagher, who is mounting a primary challenge against Democratic Assemblyman Joe Lentil, recounted a strange escapade in a 2003 Live Journal post back when she was a 19-year-old student at Ithaca College up in upstate New York. According to the post, Gallagher was visiting friends in Syracuse when she spotted a couple doing the dirty through a window and, well, just stopped to watch. When the pair realized that they had an audience... Gallagher decided to give him a full moon. The 36-year-old community activist's other past posts reveal similarly sophomoric behavior. In a separate entry, actually strewn with misspellings, Gallagher recalls throwing a homeless party with some friends in which she dressed up like a hobo and passed around wine concealed in a paper bag. You know, I, I just hate giving people a hard time over something they did during their teens. You know, if most of us had social media during those years, we'd currently be cleaning bathrooms and McDonald's. I'm sure her colleagues are busting her chops about this, though. She's got to be the butt of every joke right now. I mean, if anything, she should just let her backside hang out all the time. I mean, she'd fit right in with other New York officials who are also exposed buttholes. And then there's a Portland man who accidentally shot himself in the groin, but told police he was robbed and shot by a homeless man at a bus stop. He was sentenced to nearly six years in federal prison for that. 35-year-old Marcus Anthony Davis Jr. wasn't allowed to have a gun because he had been convicted of prior felonies and was on federal supervision for a drug offense at the time of this Shooting Now, the U.S. District Judge Karen J. Emigrant <clears throat> sentenced Davis to five years and nine months in custody after he pled guilty to being a felon in possession of a firearm. Now, the records show that a single bullet traveled through the top of his penis, through his right testicle, into his upper right thigh, and exited through his lower right thigh. Now, Davis claimed he'd been robbed and shot by a white homeless man at a TriMet stop, but he couldn't share any details about the suspect, you see. Now, I wouldn't send this guy to prison because 
He paid his debt to society. I mean, he gave up one of his family jewels for Pete's sakes. I mean, the bad news is he is going to prison, but the good news is when he's released, he could be an Amazon delivery guy because he'll have plenty of experience handling damaged packages. And how about this one? The Hernando County Sheriff's Office in Florida released an arrest photo and a report of a man charged in a machete attack. Though Orlando Weekly usually declines to publish mugshots of people who have been arrested, the booking photo of this 25-year-old defendant named Justin Arthur Allen Couch reveals that a machete is tattooed prominently on his face. Police said in the post that Couch was attending a gathering in the victim's residence when he confronted the victim as he returned home. Now, the two men stepped outside and witnesses told police that Couch produced a machete and approached the victim in an aggressive manner. The victim says he tried to block the blade with his left arm, which was struck by the machete, causing the victim to pass out. Then Couch was arrested and charged with aggravated battery, being a put in jail at a bond of 10,000 bucks. So I guess I'd be so annoyed if I invited somebody to my gathering and they pulled a machete on me. Talk about a knife in the back. I mean, I'm not surprised that a man with a machete face tattoo did something like this. I'd be way more surprised if I found out that he's actually employed. And what about this? Police have collared the goon who knocked an elderly woman to the ground in a random attack, a convicted sex offender with more than a 100 prior arrests, according to police and sources. Thanks to the outstanding work of the NYPD detectives, the suspect has been apprehended. It was in a tweet from the police commissioner, Dermot Shea. The 92-year-old woman was pushed down while walking down 3rd Avenue near East 16th Street, in the Gramercy Park neighborhood, and the video footage was released of the attack. And by the next morning, police had 31-year-old Rashid Brimage in custody on a charge of assault. Now, the police sources said the cops recognized the attacker who had had dozens of run-ins with law enforcement, including 101 arrests. Clearly, this guy, this is a bad dude, man. Forget coronavirus. He's going to kill grandma. I love the fact that he's had more than 100 prior arrests, too. You know, with triple-digit arrests, well, he just might get signed by the New York Jets. And you got to check out this one. City of Philadelphia is asking people, please refrain from swimming in the dumpsters after a block party rented a trash bin and turned it into a makeshift swimming pool. Online news site Billy Penn reported that a group of people rented a dumpster, filled it with water from a nearby fire hydrant, and then created their own pool party. Justin Myers, who's part of this group that organizes a block party every year, said they decided to turn the dumpster into a pool while they were brainstorming party ideas. Hmm. Myers said that he power washed the trash bin, then they put plywood and pool noodles in the bottom of the bin and covered it up with tarps. But unfortunately, the city was not amused. The city will not issue permits for block party dumpster pools, says Karen Guess in a statement. Myers said that they did apologize to the city. Of course, I'm not surprised that the people in Philly are hanging out in dumpsters because if you follow sports, you know their fans are pure garbage.
All right, okay, okay, I'll take it easy on Philly fans, okay? I mean, look, after all, anybody who has to watch a 76ers game has suffered enough already, okay? And you'll never believe the police in Eugene, Oregon. They say a man who spent the night perched buck naked on top of a railroad crossing sign attempted to run from police after more than 12 hours on the pole. A canine police dog caught up with the suspect who was, quote, actively fighting the police dog when the officers got to them. Police said the suspect put the dog in a headlock and punched it several times. Officers arrested this 39-year-old Brandon Lee Jackson for second-degree assault and reckless endangering, first-degree criminal trespass, first-degree criminal mischief, public indecency, and second-degree disorderly conduct related to the incident. Police also arrested Jackson on charges of first-degree highway robbery and second-degree assault in connection with an incident earlier in the week. And he was also charged with second-degree theft in connection with allegedly shoplifting back in June at the local Walmart. I can't believe, though, this guy spent more than 12 hours naked on the pole. You know, if strip clubs weren't closed, this guy would probably have a job today. The only person who spends more time on a pole is a porn star. Okay, one more. This is good. A giant penis-shaped wood carving planted on the front lawn ended up in an arrest in Wilton, New York. The local TV station there reported that the homeowner was arrested by state police for allegedly displaying his seven-foot wooden phallic symbol that he created from a pine tree. Well, now they've since taken the statue down, but Wilton Supervisor John Lent said that he's happy it's gone. He says, I got a lot of calls and emails, he tells the Times Union. I know, he says, it's his First Amendment right, but the troopers must have found something to make him take it down. A lot of residents were not happy. I'm just really glad it's down. The troopers charged the man with a public display of offensive sexual material. (laughs) But I frankly don't understand the problem here. Why should the homeowner have to remove his wooden carving of Governor Andrew Cuomo? I mean, people are so sensitive to statues nowadays, you know. They want to take down statues of presidents like Abraham Lincoln and Andrew Johnson. Well, now they're taking down big Johnsons. Okay, I will conclude on a passing thought. I really hate when I go to check my Instagram app and I'm rudely interrupted by a jogger bouncing off my windshield. Oh, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with all your stupid friends and family so they can feel less self-conscious about their own behavior. Well, there has to be some acknowledgments of all the compilations and descriptions of this stupid world. I mean, what do you think? I write all this stuff by myself? So thanks to A-List Comedy, Ed Large Media, Premier Networks, Wise Brother Media, the Universal Comedy Network, Pulsar Radio, and United Stations Radio Network. Thanks for sticking it out through my stupid world. And if you're feeling a bit crazy, I hope you'll follow me on Facebook or Twitter at Insane Eric Lane. And visit InsaneEricLane.com. 
And if you're feeling a bit insane and want to make your own podcast, you can do it with Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast ever. The only platform where you can publish to major podcast outlets like Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music with a single tap of a button on your phone. Whether you're capturing your own voice, taking call-ins from listeners, conducting remote interviews with anyone, or broadcasting full-length songs from Apple Music or Spotify. Available today for iOS and Android, and it's 100% free, entirely mobile, and so easy to use that literally anyone can make a podcast, even me. Find out more at anchor.fm.